Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. this is The Potential Podcast. Welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing today, Taylor? We are feeling uh, frisky, and uh, I don't know what the, why, but uh, feeling good. Are I mean, you a it's, feline? What's, yeah. <laughs> I want chicken. I want liver. Uh, I know no. what you're dressing up for as Halloween. You're dressing up as a cat. Uh, no, I'm excited. I mean, feeling like crisp, chill in the air, uh, obviously on the East Coast, not so much where you're at, but it is uh, right around the corner. I mean, September here is this the last week of September. It's crazy. I know. We got October just right around the corner, and which means, you know, we're, we're officially now in the fall season, which is yes. so exciting, and we have the Halloween holiday coming up. But, um, you know, we're getting, a, we're getting a bit cooler weather. It's starting to get a little cooler in California, but I'll really appreciate it when we don't use the air conditioning every day because it's just you know it's the middle of the day where it's really just like it's you can you know put two eggs out on the cement and still probably cook them um but uh yeah very excited i have some exciting things i'm going on uh today the day we're recording um yeah right now i think it was probably it was probably pushed back due to covid and everything but um 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. That's right. And they're doing a special, you know, I don't know how long it's for, a week or two weeks. They're doing showings on the big screen. Tickets for only five bucks. So I was like, uh, yeah, I want to see them on the big screen. So me and Tim, who, you know, was on our Star Wars new trilogy episode, we're going to go see that today. Uh, very excited to see that. I mean, I haven't seen, apart from the prequels and the Rogue One and um, Solo, I'm trying to remember if I, you know, there was that time when we were younger, they had the new releases yeah. on the big screen. I'm and trying to remember if I saw any of them on the big screen. I saw those, but you know what they did do and they were supposed to be doing, and I think this is before Disney acquired it, they released Phantom Menace in 3D in theaters. And oh, I thought yes, they were going to yes. do all of them and that didn't happen. But yeah, the last time, actually, well, to be fair, 
my local theater, um, not to rub salt in the wound, I'd opened that back up and they were playing old movies. So I actually just got to see Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Uh, and well, they might, they might be also included at the 40th anniversary. That, yeah. And it was cool to take my younger brother because he's never seen mm. them in theaters to kind of experience that. Oh, I mean, it, there's, there's, there's such a difference to be, you know, seen on a TV, on a well, screen. Any movie, you know. but Star Wars, you got to see in theaters. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. Well, if there was a movie franchise that I actually really wish would be back on the big screen, yeah. especially with the season coming up, and we're, we're like I said, we mentioned in an earlier episode that we really want to start taking advantage of this October month coming up and uh, the Halloween season. Well, a series close to Star Wars that came out, you know, shortly after and was I think inspired by some with the space element mm-hmm. is the Alien franchise. Yes, uh, that would be really cool to see once again up on the big screen. But you know, we thought the alien is such an interesting creature of space. It's such a mythic horror, and it's such a killing machine that we had to take a deep dive and give a proper look at this franchise that has stemmed on from the first film into multiple films, comic books, uh, video games, video games, spinoffs. Music. Crossovers and the huge thing of, of pop culture. So, um, but we're not doing it alone today. We have a special guest with us, don't we, Taylor? Yes, we do. Very excited. Uh, of course, bringing in some uh, guests as always. And today's guest, uh, I think he will definitely bring some fun to the table. Pleased to announce a good friend of ours, or well, good friend of Chris's soon to be, and a good friend of mine. Please welcome today, Mr. Ron Rockstar who was our uh, winner of our Amazon gift card competition, which was really fun. So um, yeah, let's get to our chat on aliens. Well, yes, we are very excited today because this gentleman, I have worked not one, but two back-to-back cruise contracts with him. He is a gentleman, a scholar, as they say, uh, a journalist, a not just self-proclaimed, but I consider him one of the biggest cinephiles ever and an amazing DJ artist to working on cruise ships for several years. Please welcome all the way uh, from his home <laughs> in Canada. Please welcome Ron Rockstar, aka Ron Weeks. Woo! Good to hey, have you, Ron. Pleasure to be with you guys today. No, Very likewise. Excited to have you so on. Excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually so excited because I'm, I'm, as you guys probably know, I've been listening to so many of your podcasts and so it's really fun to finally be able to join one i'm a big fan thanks for letting me well we're excited to have you on and again congrats uh you were the big winner of our amazon gift card competition so that was a lot of fun so uh i guess here's your your other price is going to be on the podcast yeah that wasn't how it worked out that was in the little uh the little writing at the bottom yeah surprise (laughs) sorry y'all missed out out there but yeah so we were excited because you know chris and i wanted to talk about this topic today and of course when i talked to you i know that ron you've got so many um things we can talk about but i know i wanted to get on here and when i mentioned that we were going to talk about this amazing franchise i said we got to get you right on here so thanks for coming on to have a fun little chat with us and i know that you are just as big i can see from your background no one can see this but uh you are obsessed or a huge love for the alien franchise as we do well, I guess yeah, let's, let's start off ron here with um do you do you can you re- recollect or do you remember your first experience 
seen Alien or whichever film you saw first. I think for me, I know personally, I think I saw Aliens first as a when I was like probably young, maybe preteen or teen. I think it was my first rated R movie I'd ever seen. I remember being on TV one day and then later in life, I kind of got more involved with wanting to check out the rest of the films and then I got kind of obsessed. But do you remember your first experience seeing Alien or any of the films? I think Alien was probably, I don't know if anyone knows this, there used to be something that was called VHS. Yes, we remember VHS. What? Of course, it's a child right there. VHS tape. Um, and I just, you know, of course, and you know, here's the thing, because of, you know, you got to think a time when there wasn't social media the way it is now. And I just remember like watching it and it was popular, but I'm like, you hear about it and then you watch it, you're like, oh my goodness, so incredible, even as like a young child, you know, and then of course, Aliens, it was so mind blowing for me to see Aliens that I, I was, I, it, it totally like changed me seeing Aliens. Second one was really what I think did it. For, I mean, for me, and I think for a lot of people too. It's hard to do a, uh, it's hard when a sequel is almost as good or if not better than the original. And this is a franchise that definitely has one and two are so almost on par with how amazing they are. Although they're very separate genres. You know, the first one really is that horror suspense. And then James Cameron took that, elevated it to more of horror action, which, uh, and they're both still, I think that's why when I said, I find this, this, film series is almost like a trilogy within an added on fourth project is that I think it really plays into how this story would have gone, even if it had been completely different creators and directors. I think it just, it plays into that really well. Um, I think the first alien film I ever saw in theaters was uh, alien versus predator, which we'll <laughs> skip. Um, Cause yeah, I think up to the point of resurrection, even at that time, uh, let's see, that was 1997. So yeah, I was only really about, I was like eight, nine years old. So I, I wasn't. And I was like, yet. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, same here. I think. Want to see rated R movies yet, you know? Yeah, I think, I think all three of us, I was the same way. I got introduced to Alien through Aliens, the sequel. And that was how I was introduced to the franchise. And I, I knew of it, but it was so funny. You know, we'll talk about this another time, but I was introduced to Alien because of Predator. That's how mm-hmm. I got into it. But that was the exciting thing about Aliens. I was like, this is such a, it was such a, the thing about it was it was such an, an 80s movie. And I, yes. I love the nostalgia of that. And it was just so exciting. And, and what a, and you're right. Like it's so challenging when you do a movie and you have to have a sequel to, you know, take what you was really good, but make it better. But like it is in the same universe, but it's a completely different style movie. And all of them are very weird in that sense where they're all very different. Where, you know, if you look at other franchises, Star Wars, every movie, Star Wars movie. But with Alien, it's like they're all like a completely different movie, but for different reasons, obviously. Um, so, but I think they do that because they have to keep it fresh. Because yeah. I think the problem with what is, if there's been a problem with the Alien franchise as it's gone along and we've gone into these newer films we're getting now is trying to go completely left wing and go out the door and try new things hasn't always worked for the franchise. So clearly they try to go back to what does work, but if the story isn't the same, you know, the thing about alien, why I think James Cameron chose this for aliens is 
in Alien, we don't really get to see the creature much till more like the second half of the film. A lot yeah. of it is your imagination, which is why uh, I think it was a borrowed element from good old Spielberg when we talk about Jaws, yeah. is this movie is so creepy because so much of it is the atmosphere and the music, and it's very haunting. And you as the viewer are like, you don't know what any of this is. It's all, it truly is an alien planet. And it's so creepy and you don't really see it till later in the movie. Yeah. And by the end of it, you've seen the creature. So like we said with Jaws and Jaws 2, you can't spend all of Aliens not showing the creature because now we know what it looks like. So James Cameron definitely took the opposite and went like, all right, here's 80 of them. <laughs> it was like, oh my yeah. gosh, it was terrifying. <laughs> Maybe Jaws could have learned from that. <laughs> yeah. Not one shark, but many. Just many uh, sharks. And so let's go, think, let's, yeah. go ahead, Ron. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. No, yeah, go for it. Oh, well, I mean, no, I mean, so much of that is, is true. The, 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 I think the pacing, uh, even though the pacing of, of Alien and the pacing of Aliens, it's, it's very different pacing. Because again, as you said, Chris, they're totally different films. One's a horror, one's an action movie, right? But um, no, I, it, I mean, that, that first scene, again, I'm not going to say any spoilers in case anybody hasn't seen it, but I'm assuming anybody watching the podcast has probably seen it. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. But that, that I, one of my favorite se- scenes in Aliens, because there's so many, is when, they, when the Marines first go in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they're kind of walking around. I mean, just that they scene. They got their of, motion trackers and they're looking around. You as the audience are already expecting, oh, this thing's going to pop out any second. And it doesn't. It doesn't like at all. And it's such a long, it's really that uh, suspense. It's long, slow. And again, these creepy halls. That's why I think, Every single alien film does have this, even if it's a different planet, a different spaceship. Yeah. They're all really tight quarters. Well, let's well, let's go back to the first. The first thing about the beginning was so great um, because you got these these you know they're basically space farmers, space mm-hmm. you know workers. They're just these guys, these average Joes and Janes, and uh, yeah, they're it's like a cargo uh, ship. Yeah, they're just going they're just, through you know, doing their thing. They're not they're not these uh, heroic types. You got the captain. You got everything, and it's a, a perfect, it's a tale as old as time, so to speak, where you've got these people that are out of their element. And the great thing about that first movie is it doesn't really, you don't really know anything about it. They don't do any mythology background. That's the thing where mm-hmm. they have no, I think that's the greatest thing. Like compared to a horror movie, like any of these killer movies, or even a, a movie like Jaws, you know what sharks kind of do and stuff. Then there's something unexpected. This thing is like, we've never seen this. There's no backstory. There's the, you know, the face hugger we barely know. Um, and so it's so great. And then you go to aliens where, oh, we've got these commando types, they're cocky, they've got the weapons and they're, you know, wiped out. It's like, no, it doesn't like these, it this, doesn't this. matter. This thing is the truly the ultimate killing machine, Yeah, which I think is the, the brilliant design of this uh, creature. You have, you know, HR Giger, who's such a, his art is so, uh, very dark, uh, very sexual in a way, very, very uh, very phallic yeah and um but this this thing that they came up with for this movie it's you know when we think of aliens just in general ufos we should think of little green guys we think of you know mars attacks we think of you know we don't think of something that becomes almost similar and iconic to monster lore of these famous hollywood monsters and this probably has become one of the most iconic creature designs of a scary alien thing ever the xenomorph is one of the most terrifying creatures because it's very hard to kill it has acid for blood 
It has a tail that can impale you. It has a second mouth thing that comes out and can kill you. And it's very intelligent. Yeah. And that's and that's in, in the way that, of course, the brilliant yet very creepy way that it actually creates life of having this thing that this little kind of spider thing that attaches to your face puts something in you and then that thing dies and then a thing bursts from your chest. I mean, it's, it is that scene alone. Like it's one of the best horror scenes of all time. And I love that they really didn't tell the cast really how a lot of that was going to go down. It was very, that was in the a fun moment. fact. I didn't realize that until I'm back mm-hmm. and watched the behind the scenes, which yeah. if you haven't seen this, did you see recently, they had a documentary about the first alien. In the well, almost every alien movie has a pretty extensive documentary. And all of them, are, by the way, are available on YouTube. If you don't have the yeah. DVDs, you can watch the entire thing on YouTube. And they're all like single click videos for the whole thing. And it is fascinating to see. You have to remember, this was the late 70s. Yeah. So, yes, Star Wars was mm-hmm. you know a thing. And we had movies like Jaws. And we we're, we're getting you know this kind of space became a big thing again. But also the idea with Jaws was this kind of the monster movies. I think it was it was a marriage made in heaven there of, well, let's do a kind of monster movie, but set in space. And, you know, I'm sure there's been B movies and C and D movies before that that were similar, but not like this. Yeah. And think, the fact that was Chris is that they had they had monster, let's say alien movies that we didn't go into space. The aliens came to us. Came to Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, this. I mean, started way back. You think in you know, War of the Worlds. You know, Wells, mm-hmm. yeah. where that was the you know the first big you know media when it was on radio. But yeah, it was all about invading, and the fact that this was the space race of the movies where man was going you know out into the unknown and still to this day, this is a tale you know that's still being told. The fact that it's still a slash. It's, it's like a slasher film because yes. think of any you know, think of Mike Myers movies. You think of a the Jason movies, the Freddy movies, all those are the, they're very similar in that it's, you know, a group of kids, teenagers that are not supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And one by one, they're taken out minus the hero or heroine that at the end of the day somehow defeats the monster. And that was, yeah, that is that, that is exactly what this is. But the thing that makes this such a movie you want to watch over and over again, and you're so interested is the lore. They created a whole universe of this background of this creature kind of what it is the mythology and now we're kind of getting more of well who made them is kind of the idea that really scott's trying to do now with these new movies and it because it is probably a question you've thought is well where did these things come from who made them because they're literally machines they're like death machines a cool thing chris that you mentioned and again because i don't know I've, i've watched the um I've watched all four of the alien films with the um, audio commentary. commentary. Mm. I've done that all four. And of course on the, the special DVD collection is what you're saying, Chris, to all those documentaries that are included. Right. So I've watched all of those and just touching on what you're saying, one of the most fascinating facts and for people who probably don't know this in the uh, design work, when, especially for the first alien film, when they first arrive on the planet, the actual um, planet, was, the surface was actual tips of pyramids. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to tie in almost, you know, as you're saying, we're talking about lore, they're trying to tie in actually the pyramids. So somehow the pyramids that we have in Egypt. So it was like almost like, okay, so there's some kind of like, again, you're saying, what's the connection here? But not a lot of people have seen 
those drawings that they did for the original design work were actually they had pyramids. Which is probably why they use that in Alien versus Predator as they go deeper into that, uh, you know, frozen kind of factory thing they go into and they eventually come upon what looks like a giant pyramid where the yeah. end giant battle between the Predator yeah. and the, the thousands of aliens happened, which was an epic shot, I will say. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like the idea that there maybe is a connection to humans that hasn't yet fully been discovered yet in the films. And that's even because you've noticed that uh, when the alien is born of a human, it has humanoid features. It walks on two legs and it, it minus the fact that it has its tail, it, it, it kind of almost works kind of like human-like. Whereas the difference in Alien 3 depending on what version you've seen if it comes out of a dog or an ox it's then like an alien dog and actually walks on all fours yeah which is the cool thing where they they mix it up and say okay now i will say that was the great thing about the mythology there we're diving more you know deep into that i mean we can we can definitely all agree the first two amazing you know works of art and then you go three you got the threequel problem where you go into this well three the the, the big problem of three is where where we end with two and i mean i know we kind of mentioned earlier no spoilers but i mean these movies have been out for a long time so again yeah, if you haven't seen them i don't know why you'd be listening to this pod this episode <laughs> this week but like aliens movies what, what does that mean <laughs> in in typical fashion which i think james cameron did this as an homage to the first one is the second movie does actually end very similar to how the first one is in terms of we have this now we have this giant queen who looks really really amazing and terrifying and we have to launch out to space. It's the only way we're going to kill this thing. So they do. And we get that epic last scene with, you know, Ripley fighting it with this giant kind of, which James Cameron loves that kind of stuff. I think that was, you think of that suit that she's in. That was, you know, now then jump to Avatar. Yeah. The, he, he, he likes to, and even the helicopter and aliens, they use very similar designs for Avatar. So James Actually, Cameron. That, that machine that Ripley's in there, the, mm -hmm. the, the loader. Yeah. yeah. You know, when that, uh, I, I found out this is an interesting fun fact. It was so obviously well received by audiences that there was actual companies that were calling up the studio asking to get them. Wow. <laughs> they thought it was, and they're like, no, no, you don't understand. There was just like. It's a movie. <laughs> it's one. It's one. Yeah. We actually had guys lifting, like moving parts. Oh, yeah. I actually, yeah, I loved hearing, uh, I recently watched the documentaries that Sigourney Weaver said how it was operated was that there was a guy behind her yeah. that actually was operating a lot of the stuff and they just, you know, edit it. So you don't see him. And, but I mean, it looks, and then of course they have to have guys who are moving the queen and you know, it's, it's all, it's such more work, but it looks so real on the screen. But as I think, it's that's, I think that's another thing that's so amazing about the alien aliens movies. And I've, I've said this to a couple of people that I introduced the movies to, mm -hmm. um, where they watch it and people are so used to these days with green screen and CGI. And it's like, well, no, actually they're they're Everything's real. It's a real set. All yeah. Real actual that, 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 you know, in all those camera movies that especially in, in, in aliens and even for the Ridley Scott with alien, they're, they're walking, you hear the clank, clank, clank. Mm -hmm. Everything's realistic. The alien is not CGI. It's a guy in a costume. So it's actual movement, you know, it's real movement and it's, it makes it so much more realistic and 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 when you're watching it it's so much better to watch than knowing it's a cgi alien well that was, that was, as i go into aliens 3 here the problem is 
like one of the best shots of Aliens 3 is when the alien comes up to Ripley and is like smelling her but doesn't attack because he knows what's inside her. That's like a great shot and it's very reminiscent of the first two. But so much of that movie was trying to experiment with now we have CGI and realistically the alien would move faster than it has in the previous movies. But we're still in that like this Alien 3 was 1992. We're still like just before Jurassic Park time where they really nailed like how to go from giant, uh, you know, mock-up actual creatures to CGI. And it didn't, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of shots of Alien 3 that just kind of come off a little, it, it stands out. It's, you know, CGI, you're like, that ah, doesn't look as good. Well, as it was interesting too, they decided to this one at the, you know, the, the alien vision where you see the alien coming after mm-hmm. like, you, know, you like the jaws, you know, cam like one or one or two shots of them going down the hall and being chased. That's solid. But clearly you could tell because of the, probably the budget. And I think if I remember the documentary, they were really running over time. I think, uh, they had to they had to just go with we'll do it from the alien's vision and not show the alien because it's cheaper because you're not you don't have to animate an alien but as i was saying earlier the problem with alien 3 is the way aliens leaves off is they're safely in their little you know cocoons about to head back you know trying to get back to to safety and somehow there are uh face huggers on their ship and there has to technically be two of them because one obviously gets ripley and based on all the mythology we know so far, if a facehugger gets you, once it's impregnated you, it dies. Yeah. And so the, there has to be a second one that goes and attacks either the dog or the ox, depending on what version you see. And it's just like, there, there would have been no way the queen would have either had eggs on there or it's never explained how the facehuggers get on their ship to safety. Well, a fun fact also, Chris, and I think probably most people don't know this because it's only mentioned really in the audio commentary. And you've met, you've touched on this uh, twice now, which is really, I'm glad you did. The, uh, see, James Cameron was actually going to do Alien 3. Mm, I and that, yeah. in, in Aliens, in the scene where uh, Hudson and Hicks save Newt and Ripley in the lab, there's a scene that James Cameron purposely shot where Hicks is hugging Newt and Ripley. And he filmed that and he's kind of zoomed in to show them hugging together as a family. And he says he did that on purpose because for his vision for the third film was these three being together as a family. Mm-hmm. You know, Ripley and there's going to be a romance with Ripley yeah. and, mm-hmm. uh, and Hicks and, you know, they're going to sort of raise. So he goes, and so he's, I wanted to set up that, that, that shot to show people, okay, this is what's going to happen. Alien 3, get ready. It's going to be these three again. And of course, the studio, you know, wanted to go in another direction and he wanted to go and they didn't want to go with his vision. And, you know, the other Big thing. Mistake. So, <laughs> well, 3, three suffered also from, I think 3 had, uh, it had one writer on at the beginning and they did a script, didn't like it, changed another writer. Uh, they did go through, I think, a director before they landed David Lynch. It just had a lot of problems, and you could tell that Alien was such a big hit. Aliens was even a bigger hit, and now they're like, "How do we? We of course want to continue it. It's making money. We got to well, keep the going." David, and the thing with David is that, and I don't know again if you guys know this or not, but they were never filming Alien Three. He was just kind of working there, you know, as a guy, and then the director literally like quit, like in mm-hmm. the middle of the day. Did you say David Lynch? I mean, David Fincher. 
David Fincher, yes. Oh, did I say David Lynch? <laughs> I was like, who is Lynch? <laughs> You're like, he did an Aliens movie? <laughs> I was like, oh, I've been neighbor. I was making sure I'm the right director. Isn't here. that a director too? David Lynch David, sounds like a director. Yeah, so David Finch was like working on set and the director walked off. They, and it was out. literally like they kind of just looked around like, okay, anybody can do this. And Fincher was like studying to be there. He's like, ah, ah, I, I could do that. Yeah. So he literally like kind of picked up, let's say, puzzle pieces that were left behind. The script wasn't even finished. Yeah. There were, there were so many. So he was like trying to build a puzzle with pieces that weren't there and pieced it all together. In fact, on the Aliens box set DVD, he's the only director who does not take part in introducing the films or doing the audio commentary. Oh, uh, David Lynch did Dune. He, I mean, he did, he did Twin Peaks. He did, but I was like, I know it's a David something, but at least I'm not going crazy that it's a made up person. But no, I, you could tell that of the films, he, he couldn't even, once he came on board as director, David Fincher, he was not actually giving his full reins to be as artistically yeah. the way he wanted. And so that's why, yeah, he does not talk about the film because he, you know, it's not a proud memory of his career. I will say I haven't rewatched it just the other day. I like a lot of it in terms of the setup, the atmosphere, the landscape. I think it was smart to put it in this like prison planet where well, it's yeah. like, because again, it's this idea of, okay, now we're not in space. We're on a planet for the entire film. And it's still these tight quarters. It's very, there's, there's an atmosphere that's still creepy about it. And yet there's a lot of it, the worst of criminals as the main cast. Yeah. And the fact that she's the only female there, you know, that was a great setup and the concepts there. And the concept of them not having any weapons, you know, any weapons, there's any weapons. Now there's no weapons. Uh, As you said, the prison, I mean, I think that the whole concept was actually a pretty good one. I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is kind of cool. It's interesting. You know? And then it, as you're just saying, Chris, all these things that just went wrong with the, with the film. Actually, on the what's funny is in the Alien Three documentary, literally the one of the producers, he's the he's like the first person you see in the documentary, and literally the first words out of his mouth in the documentary is, "Yeah, we knew that Alien Three is not a well received film. It's not well loved." Uh, like he literally says this in the documentary, like he pretty much blurts it out like and they just said one of the biggest cinematic mistakes in film history was i mean again spoilers here people i'm sorry to say but is that what they did to newt and um, and hicks mm-hmm. right. but see the thing is the, the film itself uh i don't consider it like this this like all-time bomb like no. again i do enjoy a lot of elements of it and i think also the ongoing thing throughout the whole movie that ripley has a queen inside her is a very, you know, which obviously probably takes a little longer to grow. That's a great, like, twist in the whole franchise is that she's been our heroine this entire time. We don't want her to get killed or to have anything done to her. And now she has the worst possible thing inside her. So she's trying to not only get rid of this one alien that's on the, in the prison that's terrible, but she has to figure out, well, if I can't get out of me, I'm probably gonna have to sacrifice myself. I think the mistake would have been, they should have brought in um, when you have a uh, bishop come in at the end, uh, they should have had that earlier in the film. I felt like the Wayland Company coming in trying to secure it from her. I feel it was almost too like I was actually going in. I was like, you, you don't let it sink in. Like they oh, don't whoa. sink enough of the like. Oh no, that's actually you know an actual human, and they're they no matter how much they say that they're doing it to kill it, 
they so desperately want this thing to militarize it, to weaponize it, which I think has been a cool concept of all the films is that, again, that greedy thing of, no, it's it's fine. It's for science. It's for whatever. And of course, uh, they always die. I think uh, in the aliens, the way that uh, the one guy who, you know, keeps lying, uh, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that great shot of him, you know, he's trying to escape and, you know, be the weasel he is to, to leave. And then the alien gets him in the end, as always. Um, I want to say, Chris, uh, you know, Chris, you're bringing up so many great points. Because another fun fact that probably a lot of people don't know, they just released this year the um, Alien 3 comic book. Oh. Original screenplay. Oh, wow. And in the original screenplay, um, what, what you were mentioning about Bishop, Bishop and Hicks are heavily in this film. Like, oh. like Bishop is pretty much throughout, he's like one of the main characters of the original Alien 3. So if you ever want to, or if anybody listening is interested, there's an actual Alien 3 comic book based on the original screenplay. Oh, wow. um, which is really cool. I, I have it. I've read it. The only the only problem, and I, I could see what happened is that um, again, I don't no spoilers, but especially for the comic book, because no one's read it probably, but but me, uh, very few people have. Um, but the reason why they didn't go with that original screenplay is because it didn't really include much of Ripley. Yeah, of course, yeah. and and you know, securing Sigourney back at, at by the time you got to three on, started to become an expensive thing as well because you know she knows her worth and she knows she's the face of the franchise and so which then leads me to us getting to now the way aliens 3 ends it really to me was like all right Done. that is we're we're good uh all the creatures have been destroyed uh that's it you know uh in the end ripley did her mission she she destroyed this thing that's terrorized her since the first film and we're good no, we're not good. We're gonna we're gonna somehow clone her, two hundred years in the future, because of blood samples they found in the prison planets, which leads to alien resurrection. I was like, I haven't rewatched all four. Uh, there's still some things I do like a resurrection, but now yeah. we're really at that time period of the '90s where it's like we want to be as big and bold as possible and super cheesy, and it just there's a lot of cringe in this alien. Yeah, the whole the whole new cheese. We went from '80s cheese to '90s cheese, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I this is I, like same era of like uh, Matthew Broderick's Godzilla. We're like in that same time period. Exactly. Well, I think it was like the same year. Was probably it? same 90, year. I want to say '97 uh, yeah. or '98. I think it was. Yeah. But yeah, I I liked again having getting back into the world of aliens again. Any movie we got these xenomorphs or xenomorphs, excuse me, is great. Um. And there was a lot of great things that they did with them, like the, some of the scenes they did, like where they kill one of their own to like get, to escape. And uh, yeah, you know, it, that's and, creepy. And also yeah. the the shot that always creeped me out, I think, is actually really because it again this this Wayland Corporation, but now we have this new kind of scientific corporation that, of course, wants to again make them to militarize. Is the idea that they have hired these mercenaries to bring them cargo of just random humans, and they all are been probably put into like a self-induced coma or whatever, you know, so that they're, they're not awake. And then they're all just that shot of like 12 humans in all individual cases right in front of face hugger eggs. And it's just like, I was like, 
that is so creepy and so messed up to think, you know, you're basically being used as live bait to make these xenomorphs. That all was like really creepy. And I was like, okay, so they have a queen. They're trying to do some stuff, but then it just gets to this side. It's like, it's like so 90s action movie. They're trying to blend all these elements. It doesn't work. And I think the other thing is the fact that so Sigourney Weaver's character of Ripley has been cloned multiple attempts multiple fails but somehow she now has like she's like part alien yeah she has like she's like so she can like sense them she can like interact with them and her, her blood, blood is, is acidic. somewhat is acidic as well i mean it's a cool concept and the idea of like this is something that hasn't been done before is now our hero is kind of almost anti-hero almost in villainous movie, in the movie is almost very yeah. i don't know if you got this chris and ron it's very like david cronenberg where I do like that idea where you have the very um, with the the body and, and all those amazing effects. Like when she goes in and there's all the clones of her and she finds all these like deformed versions and even the, the climax where it's like a live, like a hybrid human alien baby, which is really creepy, but I like what they did with it. Cause they're like, okay, we're going to take this a step further. I do like that Cronenberg kind of style, like the fly and everything, mm-hmm. but it is I'll just say the, that 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 thing that the the queen births yeah has to be one of my most uh unliked creature designs of all time. <laughs> I think I think the biggest mistake is that stupid little it looks like a who knows. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like the, it looks like this alien belongs with the Grinch and the Who's, but he's like the creepy messed up cousin. But I just I, I was real happy like had had they burst something that was still all black like the xenomorphs, but maybe a little more human like, I'd be okay with it. But it was just, uh, but it has one of the most epic deaths of of all time when it gets sucked out of that tiny little hole in the the ship. Um, it's very. Well, I gotta great. say, I gotta say for the front, you know, again, again, you know, this is a cool thing when we got three people, especially talking. I actually really I enjoy Alien Resurrection. I mm. think it is a very good film. I think that they, I, I mean, there's a just totally different take from, let's say, what, what you're saying, Chris, is that you, they knew what happened with Alien 3 was that it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So you can tell, and you can tell really hardcore that for Alien Resurrection, whether you love it or hate it, that they were trying to capture aliens again. You get yes. this ragtag people. Mercenary there's, group. There's mm-hmm. Mercenary group. There's more action. There's, you know, these interesting characters. Because I think that's the thing that was so great about Aliens was the Marines. Every one of those Marines was a great character, all of them. And so, and and you, you just said, Taylor, you know, with the prisoners on the planet. Yeah, they were there. But I, none of those prisoners on the planet were actually, I found very interesting. You didn't root characters. for them. That was the thing. You didn't root for yeah. the characters in that one. Because you, no, you, you know what they are already at the beginning. You know they're all murderers and rapists and thieves, and they're they're not good people. They just happen to they have to bond together to try to survive. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, at least the at least the first film, you're like, all right, it's this crew. They're just regular working joes. They're not trying to, you know, just go like we all are, just make their way through life. And then they're put into this really dire circumstance of this creature. And then with the second one, again, yeah, all these all these uh soldiers are all really fun personalities the way they bond together you got ron perlman which i love (laughs) well ron perlman in the fourth one is funny because that's still like an early film for him in terms of um 
you know, he still he wasn't Ron Perlman yet. He wasn't quite ready. He wasn't a Hellboy yet, or he became like a star. Uh, but he's got a lot of great personality in that. And I think a lot of the scenes with him and Sigourney, you know, the, the very flirty scene. the basketball oh scene, which is like. And she actually, fun fact, when she does the basketball behind her, behind her, she actually made that. She did so many yeah. takes to make it herself. No CGI in that scene. Yeah, it was a real shot. That's why uh, Ron Perlman says when, if you watch the movie, you see his reaction of his character like, huh? Like, because he goes, I wasn't acting. I was really, oh my goodness, she just did that. Like, he couldn't believe she She, did. she was doing the Steve Carell scene from Michael's Goodbye in the Office. Just, yeah. <laughs> they showed the one take. But, um, yeah. and another thing you, too about Alien Resurrection and that people should realize, and I mean, first of all, this is a movie that was written by Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who's, you know, really gone on to, you know, greatness. Uh, I mean, there's so many, I think the characters in Alien Resurrection were a lot of fun. I mean, kind of what you're saying, Chris, about the, you know, okay, we got to do a fourth. How are we going to get ripped? Okay, they have to do the clone thing. And so you're kind of like, mm, not too sure how to feel about the cloning. And that last alien we see, again, it's a little bit not really that great looking, as you're saying as well. And another fun fact is the original script of the Alien Resurrection film is they actually make it to Earth with the aliens. And there's a chase sequence on the Earth where they, the, the, the ship they're on, kind of crash lands mm-hmm. and then Sigourney Weaver oh my goodness there's one alien now on the earth well we can't have this and so there's a you know a chase and a fight sequence with with the alien actually on the planet earth which I thought was a really cool well, ending I, you actually I, make I up a good point on earth, but yeah it got taken yeah. out it got taken out of the this has actually been a thing that I've been I've been waiting to happen minus the AVP movies which we won't really go into for a long time Sigourney has said that she didn't want to do an alien film that was set on earth and there was already talks for a fifth one to happen that just kind of never happened and now we're in this weird world where we've been having these new ones with Ridley Scott back but now people are kind of hungry for another alien movie with Sigourney Weaver which I'm sure could happen but I've always been like confused by the notion of why you wouldn't want to set them on earth because they are this almighty terrible creature now put them on our home turf and now it's like like can you imagine a scene very reminiscent to like jurassic park 2 where you're at this like farm in this like corn stalks and all you see is like this alien tail coming through like and a bunch of them and of course they're super fast and just the idea of how would you like if you're walking down your street and the xenomorph was hunting you i mean like all of a sudden, it's now much bigger spaces. It's much more... Aliens 5, Lost in New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's funny what you say, Chris. You must have premonition because in the original Alien Resurrection screenplay, when the ship crash lands, Ripley fights the alien in a cornstalk field on a farm. Oh. <laughs> Don't go into the high grass. <laughs> I heard yeah. aliens. Well, see, they're just it's a it's a throwback because you're 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 sitting there in the in the movie, you're munching down popcorn, and then they're in the corn making the popcorn. So <laughs> and yeah. another cool thing about about Alien Resurrection, I just want to quickly touch on is that that the director, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, he's actually very proud of it, even on the uh on the auto commentary and then the introduction of the film. He says, yeah, he goes, I'm very proud of what we did with Alien Resurrection. I, I still live, live up to it. I stand by it to this day. And so it's kind of really cool that 
that you have that because again i know that there's a, a for alien resurrection it's kind of like some people hate it some people love it it's, it's a hate and love relationship so it's i i kind of like the fact that the director unlike david fincher um jean, uh, jean pierre actually stands by it to this day well i think it's also it paces way better than alien 3 did alien 3 i've just rewatched it is a lot of waiting for the creature to finally show up and because we're having a lot of setup to where is Ripley now, all this kind of stuff. This one is the shortest of the four, and it definitely is like, well, we have to get it going. There's not a lot of like wait time, although there is that basketball scene, but it really is like, let's get to it right away. We got to get to the story. We want to get to the action. And I actually say, like, the CGI of the aliens is definitely, you, you can see the difference of just five, six years yeah. from Alien 3 to Alien, already way better. The, the, those, that whole scene where they're going underwater. Oh, that's so great. It, it still yeah, holds up. It's, so, it's, it's, it's a great, great scene. It's so creepy. And the poor, I always remember the poor girl who's last to go in the water. I'm like, she's carrying all the dead. equipment. She's carrying yeah. everyone's stuff. She's and like, like, that's, that's going to be me. And I'm if like, if it was the alien movie, that'd be me. I'm like, Chris, why am I carrying? Oh, okay, I'm gone. Because <laughs> I have to look dashing and you got to hold all the stuff. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, oh. but, uh, but I will say, okay. Uh, before we go to a break here, let's just uh, we'll go one by one. If you have to rank one, two, three, four, how would you rank from uh, you know top to to not so, not your favorite? Yeah. So, so you go ahead. You go in first, four. Rockstar. We'll have you start, Ron. Oh well, okay. Aliens, then Alien, Alien Resurrection, and Alien Three, and. You know, and again, because I know we're, we're, you know, we're not, not talking to you positively about Alien 3. The one positive thing I want to just quickly say about Alien 3, again, when that producer is talking about how even they know it's not a good movie, he says, for some reason, Alien 3 is the biggest, uh, in Asia, it's the most successful Alien film. Hmm. He says in Vietnam and places like that, they, they just embraced it. They love it. They think it's the best of all the Alien movies. So he goes, for some reason... Alien 3 is loved by Asians. We don't know why. <laughs> Marketing so, that. so that's my ranking. All right, there we go. Taylor? Uh, I would say for me, um, I would be the same just because I saw it first. So I would go Aliens, Alien 1, and then I would go 4, and then 3 would be last. And Chris? Well, I think my, although I think Aliens is is fantastic and just having rewatched it i was like wow it really is a great movie but i think nothing can really beat just how uh well done the first one is in terms of setting up this whole world this creature so actually i think i'm just gonna go straight down to order i think uh for me it's one two three four exactly okay. as they are That's yeah cool. but again i think something that you know before we go to break here touch on none of these films are the type of films where whether the really good ones or the bad ones even the bad ones are not they're not horrible movies. It's not like you're, they're not, uh, they're not the type of movies where it's like 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's like, I, I was, I, I this isn't Jaws 4, Revenge. Yeah, I have to look at the IM, IMDB rating. The IMDB rating is actually interesting for these films. Um, Alien and Aliens are like an 8.4 and like an 8.3. They're like, just, Aliens is just under by point one point one. Wow. So it's like, you can tell they're both so loved. And then Aliens 3 and, and Alien Resurrection are like 6.2 each or like 6.3. So, you know, considerable for many movies that are, you know, still loved. They're not, they're not like 3.5 movies that are just 
just terrible. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the legacy of this franchise, because there's been, of course, many other movies that have the alien in it. And, as of course, well as some, uh, Ron touched on the books. The no, books, thanks. comics, and then even uh, some video games. So we'll be right back after this. Mm. 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 What are you doing? What? Are you eating during this podcast? Yeah. So? Is there a problem? So? Good God, man. Your munching is distracting. Hey, I can't help it. It's this new seasoning I got. It's so delicious. Seasoning, you say? Yeah, from the Steel City Salt Company. Did you make that up? No way. It's the best store where it comes to getting all of your seasoning, salted, and spice needs. Since 2011, it's been bringing a new era of exciting flavor to Pittsburgh and the surrounding regions. From their popular flavors like garlic herb, dill pickle sea salt, and black and gold seasoning. Sounds great, but I don't live in Pittsburgh. Doesn't matter. They ship nation and worldwide. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so go to their website and check it out at www.steelcitysalt.com to order now. Free shipping on orders of $39 and up. Don't miss, and let's spice up your life. Look, it's been less than four hours since that thing burst from Lenny's chest. We've lost three crew members already. We need to do something. Something? Something? That thing is a perfect killing machine. Nothing we can do can stop it. Maybe we missed something. Maybe it has a weakness. A weakness? Psh! You're crazy, man. Don't call me crazy, man. You aren't the captain. What could you do? Listen to me, you selfish son of a- Listen, damn it! That thing is out there, and it will kill all of us if we don't stop bickering and figure out how to survive this. Now shut up and think. I know. Why don't we ask Mr. Roboto over there, Domo Arigato? Well, that's a great idea, Ron. I mean, I don't want to assume something fishy is going on here, but the Whalen android seems a little bit too chipper about all this. Walter, get over here. Yes, sir. This creature, does it have a weakness? Specimen Xenomorph. One weakness found. Xeno what? Shh. Walter, what's its weakness? Tickling. Excuse me, did you say tickling? Correct, sir. Ha 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 ha. Well, good one there, Walter. Didn't know you were programmed to tell jokes. It's no joke, sir. Tickling is the only known weakness for the xenomorph specimen. Which means one of us has to get close enough without it knowing to tickle it. Are you insane? That thing can't be sneaked up on. Wait. I got an idea. Let's hear it, genius. Here's what we do. We attach a feather to a really, really long pole. Yep. We're dead. (laughs) 
and we're back um so i said to say right away because it, it it just makes me laugh so hard one of the best pop culture moments of alien of all time is Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah it is one of the best parodies and the fact that john hurt came back for came that back to do it <laughs> Yeah, the fact so that they funny. got John Hurt to do it is so much better than if they just gotten some average guy. It's, you know? it's so funny. One of my favorite lines of that scene in Spaceballs is as he starts to, he's starting to like, you know, Hurt and uh, John Hurt. <laughs> he's trying to uh, start to freak out and he's like, you know, spanning and whatever. And the black guy goes, he's like, get this guy some Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, but um we want to talk about legacy. So that, I mean, that's probably in terms of the alien being in other movies and things that are not related to the franchise itself. That's probably one of the most iconic pop culture moments, but I, you, you do want to talk Taylor about, um, you know, you say you were introduced to alien through predator. Of course, the alien makes a slight cameo in predator Two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we could go off a whole podcast with that, but we won't, won't note next, but someday, but yeah, before, the alien movies my dad introduced me to predator and he was um my dad's a huge fan of the the class i mean this is his generation but he loved the you know the 80s action movies i mean rambo and predator it's all these you know macho guys and then because predator 2 jump in and then the very end spoiler you haven't seen uh, predator i know you came here for aliens but we're talking about something else there's a scene where they go to this trophy room and you see all these skulls and then you see an alien skull and it's very identifiable and it was like oh my gosh so that was a really cool turning point where they could connect it and that was one of the first big um i i think it was one of the first kind of crossover or references mm -hmm. that was well known of course alien has been they've done a lot of uh, uh, as ron you said they're doing a lot they did a book and based on the screenplay but they've done a lot of comics uh, based on that so and of course wow. that comics uh, have been very popular, but I think what's been very, very popular in general, um, as of not as late, but you know, I think during three and four and, and moving forward was the video games. They had a lot of video games because what better video game is to to take on the ultimate, you know, weapon? And uh, they had a lot of games that came out, but I think one of um, one of the games I had played first, they did the Alien Colonial Marines, which is pretty cool because it was basically you were playing a video game version of aliens and it was like mm. oh this is great i'm taking on all these xenomorphs and i mean and i think and they had like a, of course a lot of the arcade games where you're standing up and playing that because everyone loved that we just you, you know it's just great <laughs> um but i think it just there is such a such an influence from those games and i think those movies started other games i mean think about these classic games that came out of course we're fans of the doom franchise and all the stuff i mean alien basically inspired a lot of the you know shoot 'em up uh big creature monster video games if you think yeah, about I, it. i'd agree with some of that yeah because you know you, you look even if you go even way back in time to one of the earliest games space invaders is a simple to shoot up of these uh you know little spaceships and you know but you advance to where we are today where we have these games that are very realistic and uh you know a lot of it now is they want you to have uh headphones in and all the lights off and you're trying to really uh embrace yourself into this world very much like going to a movie but you're the one actually um you know going along the journey which is why i think you know you and i are leading to um a game we both recently played 
that came out a few years ago. It had a revamp now for the PS4, and I think it's on Xbox as well, is Alien Isolation. Alien Isolation is a survival horror game that is a huge homage to this Alien franchise. Yeah. Where you play as Ellen Ripley's daughter, and you're trying to find out what happened to your mom, which... That's another thing that's about the, you know, looking about the Aliens film is if you see the extended cut, which is not in a theatrical cut, there's this mm-hmm. scene where, you know, they explain to Ripley that she's been um, in sleep for like 57 years. And so 57 years has passed since she's been found. And so therefore, you know, she had a, they explain that she had a daughter and the daughter, you know, has passed from, you know, certain age and, they actually show a photo, which is actually cool because that is actually Sigourney Weaver's mom. That's right. Yeah. That's actually a picture of her mom. So, um, fact. but so this is kind of cool. You're playing as her daughter and you actually end up on this giant spaceship that kind of looks very similar in style to the ship in Alien Resurrection, but it comes off almost like a giant, like mall, hotel, casino kind of place. Like it looks like an actual, like, almost like a vacation destination, I would say. But it's been completely run down. Uh, Everything's destroyed. And you can tell that something's something's afoot on this ship, which, of course, turns out to be a xenomorph. So you're going through all these creepy hallways. The music is just like the music from the first film, all these sound effects. And you have very, very limited resources to try to make your way through this ship. And it is is terrifying. Because I think something about this, these movies that have always been every single one has done really well is they really play into the suspense of this thing can be anywhere at any time. It is an ultimate hunter and it will find you. And you're just, yeah. you're creeped out watching the movie with the music and the way they do, you know, jump scares. Imagine playing that for like a 20 hour video game <laughs> where it's just constant like that. It is oh, it's terrifying. Well, think about That's the thing about that. We talked about this before about the alien. Yes, it's an alien. It's out of this world. Uh, so to think, it sounds like I'm grading papers fifth grade. You're out of this world. Um, but Alien is something that is not real, but the terror, it really induces thing because the great thing about the legacy is we still don't know very much about it. Think about mm-hmm. this. All these directors have different takes. Of course, you know, H.R. Geiger um, and, uh, or Geiger, I don't know if I'm saying it right, um, Frankenstein, Frank, Frankenstein. And so what he did and what Ridley Scott did, they just created such an amazing, you know, a uh, this mythology that still there's so much they haven't really talked about. I mean, this goes back to the space jockey, as they called him, um, which I think was great because this led into um, a thirst for continued. It's the prequels. You know, I think we're getting to that, though. I think, Ron, did you have another game you wanted to touch on? Yeah, actually, well, actually and two, two things I was just going to quickly touch on. Because uh, again, I know the video games are so popular, and you guys are actually making me. I was listening to you guys talking, and I'm like, I guess now I got to go and buy a PS4. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is, Ron, I do have the game, so you can borrow it if you like. Oh, I'll okay, send it to you. you. <laughs> now, if you are a PS4 player, you got to play this. It's also, I think it's originally on PS3. Yeah. Uh, but then they remounted it for PS4, and I believe it's on Xbox as well. Well, one thing I should just tell you guys and anybody listening, um, I'm a huge gamer, but what I mean by a huge gamer, I, I mean, I literally play games every single weekend with my friends, but we do board games, actual games. Mm. Okay, I'm a huge board game person, massive. I just bought two new games, including Taylor. I know you're dying because I did buy Taylor the Jaws game. 
He's been asking us to play this game, which is pretty. You play as either the people killing the shark or the shark. So okay. I think we need a zoom zoom board game of this. Zoom, zoom on that one. But um, they they actually uh, as about two years ago, 2018, they announced the Aliens: Another Glorious Day in the Core board game. Ooh, okay. where you? It's actually the Marines from yeah. Aliens. So all those people you know and love, and Ripley, and then you're you're basically fighting aliens and they said you could actually even play it solo by yourself if you don't have your friends around to play it um but the thing was and they they actually did some preliminary test runs with it with some test gamers and it got huge reviews four five star reviews from all the testers but it has still not been released there's Mm. there's like some whatever reason they just have not released i think they're just trying to make it even better since they got such so if, you know it's coming but there's an aliens board game that and also too what you're saying taylor about books there's actually i don't know if you guys are aware and what you just touched on too but again about the lore of of the aliens the world of the universe the aliens there's yeah. in the comic book world there's even superman versus aliens and batman oh. versus aliens and i believe there was terminator versus aliens as well mm-hmm. i think in the comics which i thought was like talk about crossovers that we'd want to see <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. Because you gotta imagine Batman is someone that has claimed to be he can he can beat anybody as long as he has the prep time. So what would he the what kind of what would he use to to, to defeat? Well, he's got a utility belt, right? He's got yeah. the yeah. alien repellent. If you're Alfred, the I need you. How are you gonna defeat the xenomorph? Justice. <laughs> it's like I am the dark. I know smoke pellet. But the Superman Aliens comic was really great because since they are aliens and he's an alien, they actually tie it in to Krypton and everything. Like there's, there's actually like this whole, like they've, the existence of it. it. They did such a great, they actually did a sequel. They did, mm. did a Batman versus Alien sequel. As you guys are saying, that's what people are dying to see. And it was so successful in the comic book world. They have to do sequels. Well, I think that's, that's why I think AVP has, has lasted as long as it has from these video games to comics to these films that this thing has constantly been a creature that is just avoid and run. And even when military people have come on to take it on face on, they still die. So you're thinking, well, is there anything out there that is strong enough to fight this like, you know, a battle royale? And so when we had the Predator, it was such an exciting like, oh, wow this thing can take out an alien. And then to think of the Terminator, which is a completely metal, you know, made machine. How would that deal with fighting this thing? Because even if acid goes on to it, it's not going to hurt like a human does. And then Superman, you know, is super strong, hard to injure, you know, without kryptonite. So like, does the alien acid hurt Superman? You know, all that stuff is, is, is fascinating. And I think we, we love crossovers like that. I think that's something that's exciting because it's like, yeah, I want to see this thing fight because <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm tired of seeing, it's fun to see humans run away and try to, to escape and inevitably get picked off one by one, but I want to see some epic fighting. Um, but I did want to go into, uh, you mentioned earlier, Taylor, we're going to go into, I guess, to close up our conversation today is uh, we have this new prequels going on by Ridley Scott. So it's neat that we're back to the man who kind of started it all. Uh, directing the first alien and he's trying to tackle this idea of well who made who made the aliens uh something that i think a lot of people maybe thought about is who 
who made the aliens and maybe in turn who made us as humans is kind of these ideas of we're getting this idea of creation and uh you know very uh, existential parentage very it's very out there but still tying in you know because then you, you think of that first alien film they go on to this you know deserted planet that is just you know very creepy looking and it's you know it's very dark and spooky and there's this alien ship that has somehow crash landed there and no one seems to be on it to what they you know and you like you said taylor they come upon this space jockey who has a chest that's been burst open so it's like well who was that and what was that where did they come from yeah. so i think these are the questions really scott's trying to answer in these new movies we have prometheus and then alien covenant and how did you feel about those films, Ron, in terms of, you know, I remember seeing the trailer for Prometheus and actually being very excited. I was like, ooh, we're getting back to the Alien franchise. We haven't had one in a while. And it's really Scott again, who, I mean, these films are gorgeous. They're gorgeously shot. I mean, everything is just, and now we're at that time period where CGI really has caught up to be as best as it can be. Um, what have your thoughts been so far of seeing those films and compared to a love of the franchise? Do you think they're doing well? That we're now having talks that really Scott is maybe going to branch away from that story because they haven't really been received as well from some people. Some people really love them. Some people are left not as happy. Where do you kind of stand with those two so far? I think, I think the first one uh, Prometheus, I, I, you know what? There's some things I actually really love about Prometheus. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm feeling flat. You know, and it's, it's like up and down. It's like a bit of like, ah, I like it. Then I don't like it. I like it. I don't like it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then and again, they, they had that whole scene where you do see the, as Taylor's talking about the, the alien jockey, but then it's not because it's not really the same position, you know? So it's, it was a bit weird. It's like, okay, it is, but it's not. It's like, why don't you just do a scene showing the alien jockey? Well, like, then what they're saying is that's not like leading up to alien. That was the thing. Yeah, that was not the ship from alien. It's a different ship in the it's fleet different. that was going to get to eventually. Um, but I tell you, I, I agree with you, Ron. I think Prometheus yeah. is, it's beautifully shot. Yeah, It's really intriguing because like, oh, we're going to this planet. You know, they're actually on earth to start with seeing these symbols, these signs very similar to an idea of like maybe a pyramid, but we're seeing like these almost like caveman drawings in different parts around the world that are all the same. So it's like, there has to be something similar for this to have all been like, maybe people came down from, you know, the heavens, you know, the aliens. And the yet we get, to, we get to this place and we, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff, but it's, there's not, a, it's like they were trying to be like, we were going to have so many questions by the end of this that inevitably we'll need more movies to actually answer them. And it's kind of like, well, does the movie stand alone on its own as a whole movie or does it need more to kind of justify itself? Um, and I, yeah, I, I remember actually being pretty disappointed when I left the theater being well, like, well, that, that looked good, but it wasn't an alien film. Well, and that's the challenge. It's like, okay, you look at the original alien by itself. It, it ended it. You could have never done another movie. Great. But there is still like a lingering question that's not boldly in your face, but it's like you still how did this creature eat? that's still in the back of people's minds they want to know more mm -hmm. and i think that's the difference in the filming style and then when i knew they were making the second one um covenant i was excited because you see the scenes like oh we're getting to the actual og alien design it looks like the original that was the thing i was like okay now we're finally getting there and then it was like well, where is the story going that was that was the thing like like i feel like he's not we wanted to connect to the original movies 
but it's not going there it seems like he's trying to do something well i think he's he's taking the character of david which is a fascinating character because again knowing this is a prequel so this is all pre um someone like uh you know ian holmes character in alien this is all like years earlier that ai although very intelligent and very helpful one has gone rogue if you will one has has become smarter than it should very much like 2001 the space odyssey and the best actor and best character of the prequels of course so far has been michael fassbender as david um it's been fascinating to watch because that has been also a thing that's been through all the films is there usually is an ai character often someone we don't really trust because of how the first movie went down and this one it's like i guess the way covenant's going how it went was kind of like really saying like maybe david's the one that through experimentation and other means was making it from this kind of like idea down to what is the perfect xenomorph which is what we get an alien because even the ones in covenant they're a little bigger they're different shaped they're not quite the xenomorph from the first film it's kind of a so i wonder you know if he's going to do a third film i wouldn't want him to deviate just to finish it up and actually show how the xenomorph is created even if it is by david well i think that's another thing too like when you're talking you know about the two films like i mean covenant uh, which actually I wanted to just throw in Taylor. I saw that with Manuel in Alaska. Oh, okay. Cinema. Uh, no, I actually, you know what? I enjoyed Covenant better than Prometheus because mm-hmm. again, there was more action. Yeah, there's a bit more going on. My my big my big uh, thing that I didn't like about it, and which Ridley Scott again, I, I respect him so much for publicly saying this, is that he he actually said. The problem with Covenant is that even him, he felt that, yeah, we, we, we didn't do an alien movie. The movie was so concentrated on AI, we lost focus on the aliens. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the problem with that movie. Even though I like it, it's like, no, well, where's the alien? It's so much about David and the AI and then the other robot. And then it's like this whole, you know, the, the robot romance, which we didn't need in that in film. Mm-hmm. It was totally useless scene. Um, and so I think he he's saying if he's going to do this third one, again, there's so many things being discussed about a third one. If it's going to happen, they need to get back to aliens because we that's what was missing in Covenant. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Well, I, I totally felt the same way. And I think I think they've noted that from not only reviews, but I think from uh, you know, fans of the franchise have spoken out saying, you know, we love the idea of movies trying to explain what what and how the alien came about, but you can't keep making we don't want six movies to take us to get to what the alien is you know well they're trying to be like too hyper intelligent and it's not a bad thing if that's the movie you want to create but the people that come into this movie are fans of the original alien and the mythology Mm -hmm. you've got to you've got to build on that and it's like we we're not we're not here to think too much about life we want to see some aliens you know get you know kill people and fight off people we're sick people i know but we want to see this happen well i think a big flaw of two was unless it was deleted scenes which i don't remember they filmed or not they only kind of allude to the fact because okay what how prometheus ended was shaw survives and then she takes the the, like top half of david who's still alive and takes them and they go to another planet you're looking for the engineers yeah they're looking for the engineers looking for these these space guys well, then the second movie starts with a whole other crew and then they, you know, eventually go very aliens 
similar plot, you know, plot line. All right, now they're going to go to a planet and try to find out what's going on. And we never find out what happens to Shaw. Well, I would have been okay with move, the movie's opening with scenes of David literally ripping out stuff, of, you know, because clearly it's he experimented with Shaw to create these alien creatures. And he, yeah. he used her body. He killed her. And there's one quick shot. It's either in the movie or a deleted scene where you see her kind of body like completely ripped open and it's very dark and gross. And I'm like, that probably would have been more the way you should have gone about it instead of well, once especially again, you built her up as the heroine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just and, survived. I mean, that yeah. scene in the Prometheus where she goes into the med bay and she like self surgically removes the oh thing from God. her is one of the, it's probably, it's probably one of the best, best scenes scene. of the whole movie. A Prometheus the best scene of the whole movie. And that's very alien. That was very alien. Like that's what we want. We want more of that. And, and I think I think what you're saying too, Chris. I mean, she's built up as the heroine, right? Let's say the new Ripley. So she's a new Ripley, yeah, yeah. And then, so you think, okay, now the second movie, they're going to really make her like this tough, rough character, and she's going to be like the Ripley from Aliens. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you watch it, like she's not even in there. There's there's barely any alien alive. in there. Yeah, uh, it's more about AI. It's like what what is this movie? Where's this movie mm-hmm. going? But I actually still really enjoyed it that that you know back-to-back thing that they were doing there and, and and i mean like no there's some really enjoyable moments i felt i liked the cast too quite a bit as well um and that intrigue. and it looks good and it looks you know really scott you know looking at blade runner 2049 and these alien films i mean he's back in sci-fi and he really knows how he's in make, his element it's just you know it just looks so good and it's so and the fact that he can find these actual locations uh, on Earth, as you know, a lot of these great directors can, and just make them look like an alien planet without, you know, very much CGI and stuff. It's 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 fascinating. I have to say this before we finish up. I have to. We're talking about legacy, and we've we've touched upon this amazing because of Sigourney, Numi Rapace, and then was it Catherine, who who was the the actress in the second one or Covenant. Oh, I know you're talking about. She was yeah. also in um, Fantastic Beasts. Yes. Um, well, movies. but leading into that, I think one thing that these movies have done with the Catherine start- Watterson. Catherine Watterson, that's right. Mm-hmm. What I think this movie, sorry, Catherine, if you're listening, hope you are. Um, the great thing about this has done for legacy is create the ultimate action heroine. I mean, mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver, she is the the godmother of, of action heroines, I think, and one of them. I mean, of course, when Star Wars came on the scene, you had Prince Leia. She was kind of, you know, she was still kind of the, a bit of the dance at the beginning, but then she kissed, you know, Carrie Fisher then had more of an action role leading into the other movies. But Sigourney Weaver took that whole trope of the damsel in distress and flipped it because once Alien ended and then Aliens comes in, she is just a total you know, bad, you know, mofo. So she like literally. And what a rightfully earned best actress nomination at the Oscars, which is such a rarity for a sci-fi or fantasy film or even horror film to be nominated, you know, for that category. I mean, and she totally earned it. I mean, she is amazing in Aliens. And I think the thing was with Alien, she was a featured character that by about halfway through the movie, once things start picking, get picked off, yeah. she kind of becomes the lead of the movie. But Which is interesting, not, yeah. Which is interesting because there's even parts of the movie where it feels like she might be the one that be picked off next, but she's the one that like survives. Well, you think the captain, you know, oh, you know, mm-hmm. captain's, you know, he's going to, he's, you know, got this down. 
and he's got it and it's like the captain oh no the captain who's the leader of this he's taken out you know halfway through the movie it's like okay now what do we do and i think that was like of all the movies you see you don't see her coming as the Mm-mm. until the till the very end pretty much and, and it was smart because you know i think it's nice to see a female protagonist like that where and then her leading the franchise from that point on absolutely um and even like yeah funny that in alien they they did film scenes with the captain all gooped up you know ready to be the next kind of uh egg recipient of a face hugger and they 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 cut all that out they didn't they didn't keep it there was a lot of good stuff that cut out from that first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another great thing too, when you guys are talking about Sigourney Weaver or Ripley as, as a heroine and, and, you know, as you said, Taylor, the godmother, and she first person to win an Oscar for uh, an action role. Well, uh, she, didn't, she didn't win, but she was nominated. Nominated. Yeah. Right. First so nominated. She has won. I think she's won. Yeah. She won an Oscar for um, gorillas in the mist, I believe. That's it. Um, but here's the great thing, which I mean, you guys know this too, and it was really well publicized. And you got to give Sigourney Weaver like full credit again as a heroine, as a person. Is last year when that high school in New Jersey did uh, a play of Alien. Of Alien, yep. And yeah. it was so well received that Sigourney Weaver herself went to the school, you know, to see it, praise them. She she gave them money. She, I mean, I mean, I'm like, wow, how amazing is that for her to, to do that, you know, as, as a, an actress? Well, I mean, you, you gotta think, look at her career. That movie put her on the map. You know, she was a, she was a theater, theater person like me that, you know, kind of was just starting off and doing plays. And, you know, she was, I think she did something on Broadway and she was, you know, kind of putting her foot through the door. And then that movie came along and she really had to learn a lot right away of even amongst some people that have been working for quite some time and it just it launched her to stardom and the rest the rest is history well as you said that's the legacy look i mean here's a high school kids now in let's say 2019 Mm -hmm. who are actually watching alien and love it so much they make a play out of it like the girl who played ripley in that play when she met sigourney weaver there's a video of her crying she's she's my hero like how many 16 year olds in 2019 or sing Sigourney Weaver is their hero. It's, yeah, that's that's, that's pretty amazing, especially because with you know today there's so much content to watch. Yeah, and the way a lot of horror movies are done nowadays, it's all for jump scare effect. It's all you know, <sighs> and Alien will always go down in history. It's a movie that yes, there is a few jump scares in it, but a lot of it is just slow, slow build up. It it wants you to be on the edge of your seat with your hand over your mouth like oh my gosh it's gonna come any second and it's just you know i hope uh i hope we we will have a new kind of take on alien films as 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 the future holds you know now uh as fox has been bought by disney so you know there are this idea of what will they do with the alien franchise um will we get sigourney back in some way i feel like uh i feel like the alien is far from uh from uh retirement if you will well, we all know too, i mean you guys know this too like the neil neil blomkoff he was gonna do one yeah he's gonna do one and rip and uh sigourney weaver was actually very interested because his movie is gonna you know totally disregard alien 3 and yeah. resurrection as if they didn't exist and but you know sort of like what are you gonna do like and and, and to actually get sigourney on like are you gonna do the cgi her younger 
You know what I mean? Like, what were they going to do for that? So, I, they, but that project is now canned, so it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, and he's a, such a great writer director, and I, I, it would have been nice to see what he was going to do with it because he's such a fan of it. So, I think that's. I hope. I hope he gets to, he gets a chance to still make a film, uh, depending on how the future holds. But I'm sure a lot of it also has to do with how Disney wishes to perceive with you know because it is. It's clearly a franchise that still makes money. It still has a lot of fans. So I hope that it does continue. Now, of course, Ron, before we let you go today, we have to ask you our guest questions. So we have 10 questions for you. These are a bit rapid fire. Not much you have to think about here. They're all about you. So um, uh, I'll start us off here. I did not study. Yeah. <laughs> you, better, you better not have. Pop quiz. <laughs> all right. So uh, uh, number one here, Ron, what is your favorite movie? Oh, it's a good one. You know what? Um, I'm going to say off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Jerry Maguire. Mm, very nice. All right. And uh, number two, what is your favorite television series? Oh, man. Uh, I told you, folks, he's the cinephile, man. He's the, the ultimate. It's, that's really tough. Um, top of your head. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go for top of my head. Uh, one of the greatest television series of all time. And it's a recent one, Game of Thrones. There you all go. Right. Uh, number three, what is your favorite video game or video game series? Well, I'm not doing a lot of video gaming. As I just said, I'm a hmm. board game guy, but you know what? Going to what you guys were talking about one video game. I really do enjoy. And it's, it's it's in the arcade it's in the, and a lot of theaters still have it. the theater that i go to here in montreal they still have it mm. they actually have the aliens game oh wow okay Where you're you're shooting but you have to put coins in the machine you know <laughs> so i always buy like a ten dollars worth of coins because i'm like i'm going to pay ten dollars worth of alien shoot up so i like that alien shoot up one quite a bit very nice number four number four is what is your favorite uh artist or favorite band oh it's hands down um bruce springsteen and the east street band i've seen them 24 times met wow. um i'm credited on one of the posters for one of his documentaries um nice. i own every product lots of bootlegs i've traveled thousands of miles to see him bruce 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 number one for me i love that That's very awesome. nice uh Number five here, Ron, what is, your, what is the favorite place you've traveled to around the world? What's your favorite place you wanted, you visited? Oh, man. You know what? Um, I, 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 I am never tired of Italy, in particular of Venice, Italy. I think it's, there's oh, always something to see in Venice. There's never a boring day in Venice, Italy. Just asking right. Indiana Jones. Um, what number six what inspires you or what has inspired you to get where you are today it's so funny you say that i my favorite word is probably inspiration so i'm always wanting to be inspired and to inspire other people and i so i think i'm inspired when i see something whether it's a movie or a tv show or even a song or a show that just moves you, makes you think differently, makes you want to change things about yourself or the way you live and make changes in other people. So it could be, it could be many things, but it's, it's usually, I, I'm inspired by things that are uplifting. I'm inspired by, by God, by the Bible, 
by the teachings of Christ as well, which I think, you know, are very inspiring. And uh, there's no better inspiration than that. Very nice. Uh, number seven here. What's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, man. Here's the thing. Now, Taylor knows this about me. I've, I've either worked with, met, or, or rubbed shoulders with some of the biggest names in the world. And when I do get an autograph, I always ask them to give me their best advice. So I have a lot of autographs with advice written on them. And some of them are, as you're just saying, Taylor, some of them are inspiring. Some of them are very funny as well. But I think the majority of them and a lot of them, you know, everybody from Billy Bob Thorne to Angelina Jolie to and on and on the list goes to people. A lot of them are always giving me messages of um, don't give up. Keep going. You know, even when the chips are down, you get back up there and you just... So yeah, so I think that's like never giving up is probably the best advice. I think that's a timeless thing too. I really yeah. like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's time. It's a bit cliche, but I mean, it it seems True. to be the most popular one that I've I've received again mm-hmm. most. You know, hey, cliche cliche or not, doesn't make it any less true. So that's perfect. Uh, next question number eight: What is your nerd level on a scale of one to ten? One being you've heard of Star Wars, and number ten, you speak Wookie. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go for how about I'm gonna go for an eight, because I even work in a comic book place right now. There you go. Very nice. Uh, Number nine, Ron here. What is your guilty pleasure, or what is a guilty pleasure of yours? Uh, Guilty pleasure. Oh boy, it's you know what it's it's usually again. And Taylor knows I'm a DJ and I'm a music guy, and a lot of people. A lot of my friends, especially, we're all like rock and rollers. Everyone knows I'm a big rock and roller, right? Right, Ron Rockstar. But people are very surprised to know, especially my rock and roll buddies, I love pop. I love Lady Gaga, Katy Perry. I've seen her front row in concert. And I tell people, I've seen, you've seen Katy Perry front row? I'm like, yeah, twice. <laughs> I can't believe it. And they're like, I thought you were a rock and roller. I go, I am a rock and roller, but... Hey, a good, a hey, good, show they're, a good, good they're, they're great. Yeah, I saw Gaga in concert. She's amazing. It's all about the performance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think, uh, in, you know, someone expecting me to be a rocker and then just sort of having that pop, that pop mode, which I, and I, I, I love, I love some of it. I do. I love it. That's awesome. Now, of course, we got to finish out with uh, one of our favorite questions. Number 10 is, uh, as you know, me very well and, uh, and us from our podcast. Give us your best impression. <laughs> He's already like, oh no, I know, putting you on the spot. This any, 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 any impression. Any, it could be very short, very whatever, anything. Mamacita. <laughs> you know who that is, Taylor? I know who that is, but not everyone else knows that. So no, not everyone else does. Because <laughs> I, I like to do him a little bit. So yeah. Uh, okay, no, you know what? Uh, okay, okay, uh, okay. How about this one? Uh, I know it's again cliche. Nothing to, and nothing to, but revolving around sci-fi, which was is the what we're talking about today. But uh, how about this one, guys? Um, you've never heard of Millennium Falcon? And <laughs> have? It's a fast ship. Fast ship. Ship that made the Kessel run less than twelve parsecs. It's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Myself, the boy, two droids, and no questions asked. 
boy, boys trying to avoid some imperial. Just let's say, yeah, we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. Well, now that's the hard part. That's the tricky part, ain't it? And it's going to cost you 10000 all in advance. 10000 We can almost buy our own ship for that. We're going to fly it, kid, you. We can pay you 2000 now, 15 when we reach Alderaan. 17 huh? All right, you guys got yourselves a ship. We meet at Docking Bay 94. 94. Very nice. Wow. That was great. Hey, I love that. No one has wow. ever done a scene before. A full scene, all characters. Okay. Wow. That's pretty pretty on the spot. I appreciate that. That was great. Yeah, a little flub there once or twice just because I'm I haven't done it in a while, but you're put on the spot. Yeah. Now, of course, Ron, um, do you have anything you want to promote? Uh, a, a way to follow you on social media, anything you're doing with YouTube or anything you, you know, now's the time to, to post any of that. Yeah, I just, I mean, look, it's a lot of fun. I mean, guys, uh, for people who don't know, I'm, I do have a website, Ron Rockstar, which is R-O-X-T-A-R, media.com. And I interview a lot of celebrities. I do a lot of reviews of mostly, mostly music, but I'm doing some movie stuff, comedy festivals, uh, all that kind of stuff. So you can check out my website. There's all kinds of great entertainment stuff in there. I uh, just recently started my YouTube channel as well, which is also Ron Rockstar Media. So um, I've done, again, some interviews. I'm doing some, kind of like what you guys are doing. I'm doing some sort of just talks about music stuff as well. And I'm going to be doing some more movie stuff coming up. I'm just kind of mapping that out. So you guys can visit my YouTube channel. Uh, and of course, the ronrockstarmedia.com channel for all of my music uh, interviews, reviews, and more. Very nice. Well, That's thank awesome. you so much, Ron, for being on today. We had a lot of fun chatting about the alien franchise i love it guys you guys are fantastic you know what i, I want to just quickly throw this in there because you guys are talking about alien and you're true and it's true chris what you said it's one of the few film franchises where you can actually watch all four and none of them are absolutely horrible and i think the only other franchise that i can really think of where you could actually watch all four films and actually, every single one of the four films is either good or great. There's no letdown film in the entire series. Is Mad Max? Mm, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, there's not one bad Mad Max movie. You can actually watch every one. Oh my goodness! Actually, there's not a single bad film in the Mad Max drama. We had something new, and it's you know, there's just you know something different to each one. So that could be the next podcast. Or not the next one, but I mean a future podcast. It'll, yeah, down the line, we'll definitely have to talk about Mad Max because uh, I still really, I mean, I guess it's been in talks, but he's, we're still waiting for George Miller to give us a sequel to Fury Road because it was so awesome. But um, yeah. yeah, very, very good point. But uh, yeah, thanks, Ron, for being on today. I think this was a lot of fun. Uh, Love you guys. Thanks so much. And of course, if, uh, if down the road we do indeed get um, future alien films, we'll have to have you back to discuss future alien films. Uh, conversations ron rockstar with a vengeance <laughs> <laughs> rockstar resurrection <laughs> so thank you thank you thank you well i'll tell you taylor uh, after you know it's it's fun to always meet some of your friends uh you know our guests through zoom through this podcast did you but, say um, that because sometimes you don't say that when we're live so i appreciate you saying <laughs> <laughs> for the record well, i don't i, I feel like it's weird to say that in the moment but yeah, i will no. say uh, something i appreciate about ron 
is uh, very close to you and I, he is a big cinephile. I think it's fun to, you know, when we talk about on this podcast that we're huge fans of, especially movies and TV shows and what we call nerd culture, where you really, you know so much about a movie, you know so much about the characters, the dialogue. Well, it's also appreciated when I know people actually take the time to also look at the behind the scenes because, you know, none of these movies would happen without the hard work of all those who write the script, uh, you know, come up with the music, how everything's lit, how everything's uh, filmed, all that. There's so much that goes into making a movie. And it's cool that he has a huge passion for behind the scenes stuff as well. He really knows, uh, he takes the time to watch documentaries yeah. behind the scenes and he, he remembers a lot of that. So that was cool that he had a lot of fun facts about these films. You're absolutely right, Chris. Not only that, he is so knowledgeable, which I, I love that we can have you know, these fun, intelligent and, and very nerdy conversations, but also he embraces pop culture and entertainment with just this wild abandonment and open arms and such positivity. But mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to see that passion. Where, wherever you see that passion is great, whatever you're passionate about, but it's particularly something that we all appreciate. And I just love seeing the love of his for movies and cinema and what that brings to, you know, the lexicon and pop culture today. So mm-hmm. I, I knew that he was going to be great today and I'm glad that he was so willing to be a part of this. And I think that some people can learn from that. I think there needs to be, you know, you don't be afraid. I think that's, again, what we like to say about this podcast. Nerd is a, is a general term for anything. What are you nerdy about? What are you passionate about? It's very synonymous. I mean, yeah, if you really, you're into clothing, you're into makeup. Yeah. If you know makeup to the, to an nth degree and you know every type of makeup, and you, mm-hmm. you're a nerd about makeup. I'm sorry, but you are. You might be the most, you know, beautiful babe and you think you're this Instagram, you know, whatever you're a nerd because you are you that's how your passion you know um but no he he really was he was fun he's a great guy um definitely someone i want to you know chat with more in the future about you know certain things and um it's cool that he's doing his you know his media uh you know project and yeah, he's got cool stuff, media. Cool stuff. with his uh you know uh breaking down music breaking down new movies he's you know celebrity interviews i mean uh pretty neat that he's got you know that going in his life so uh very cool guest today and you know i love these films they are they are such an iconic uh member of the film industry and it's such a i mean the alien is will will forever be such a famous i mean even think of um i i I think of you know the late great movie ride at walt disney world yeah a a ride that had movies from different industries uh, not just disney but they actually had alien in that ride they actually had a xenomorph in that ride at a Disney property, which of course now, fun fact, Disney owns that. So, I mean, uh, you know, it would have been fine, but that ride's no more. But just to think that that's how iconic it is that they included Alien in a movie at a kid's theme park. <laughs> it's like... Well, and you know, like we said before, I mean, just how it's it's been in crossovers and, and referenced in so many other films to this day that with without that, and also like look at the legacy that we, you know, with... Uh, heroines in films. I mean, Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver, Ripley's character. I mean, that has definitely both those two icons have done so much for not only movies and heroines, but sci-fi and films in general. It just it's so incredible that still over you know this is over like you know forty one, forty two years later 
that we're still yeah. talking about it and we're still going to i'm, I'm never I'm not still going to and i hope more movies come and excited to see the future of the alien franchise but uh we're so excited to you know get into october here folks and we got some fun things planned for you so stay tuned on the potential podcast we're so excited to uh bring you more of the terrors and the horrors of the night I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah. We'll work on our monster voice. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.